Last week we talked about that everybody has a place. Uh, the sermon was actually entitled A Place for Everything and Everything in Its Place, which kind of rankled some folks um, because they knew I was going to be talking to the women and they really didn't want to hear that they needed to be put in their place. And that wasn't how I intended it, or maybe it was. But last week we covered that everybody has a place in God's plan. And today we're going to expand uh, for the ladies on the role of motherhood. Now, it would seem odd that I would sit up here and talk about motherhood because obviously I have never been one and will never be a mother unless you count those times I've been called. Never mind, I'll just stop there. (laughs) But we're going to look at the role of mother uh, from the way God designed it. Okay, last week we talked a lot about the role of wife, uh, and this week we're going to expand on mother a little bit. So we're going to look uh, in 1 Samuel, and we're going to begin in chapter 1. Now, for those of you familiar with this story in, in Samuel, you may wonder where this is going. And uh, so let's just read 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 2, I believe. I'm not starting at one because I can't pronounce all those names. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, so there was this Ephratite, and his name was Elkanah, and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. So right there we got to stop and say, what can we learn from the life of a woman with no children about how to be a mother? Now, if you read on, you begin to see that Hannah has been barren her whole marriage, okay? And it's a source of grief to her. It's a source of shame to her because in their culture, wives are supposed to give their husbands children, and she has not been able to do that. And so this weighs on her very heavily. It actually is a source of anguish for her. It, it, it almost physically hurts her that she cannot have children, okay? And so what she does about that is where we begin to learn God's idea of what a mother is, okay? Now, it says, one day, this is verse 4, on the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah and his, his wife and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So as it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten, Hannah rose And now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, and she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And she continued praying before the Lord, and Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved. And her voice was not heard, and therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. Let's stop there. Let's look at this just for a minute. 
she has been afflicted with what is considered the worst thing that can happen to a woman uh, in the Hebrew culture, and that is she is not able to bear children. And not only is she not able to bear children, but her husband's other wife has lots of children. And she never lets Hannah forget that. Okay, so this, this is a member of her household, okay? And this is someone that she must live with, whether she wants to or not who is constantly reminding her year after year after year of her shortcomings, of her failures, of her not being able to provide to her husband what in their society was honor by giving them children. And we don't see anywhere in this passage where Hannah lashed out at her. She began to talk smack back to her. Um, she tried to get her husband to run the other lady off. None of that. None of that. She merely went to the Lord in prayer, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed so much, the preacher at church thought she was drunk, okay, because it didn't look like any prayer he had ever seen before, because it wasn't loud and showy, and it wasn't you know, out so that everybody knew what she was doing. This was between her and God, and she said, that if you will give me a son, I will give him back. And so in that, we see the first principle of what God expects from motherhood. We talked a little bit about it last week when we said that we were stewards of all that God has given us. That includes our children. And Hannah understood that children were a gift from God, but that ultimately they belong to him. So we, we see a woman who is afflicted physically, emotionally, and mentally both physically by being barren, emotionally by a husband who just doesn't quite seem to understand. He says, what's wrong with you? Aren't I as good as ten sons to you? I mean, look at me. I'm the man. Everything will be all right. He didn't understand the source of her sorrow. And so to him, it wasn't that big of a deal. And because it wasn't that big of a deal to him, she was not receiving the support she should have from her husband. And yet still, she looked to the source of her provision, the Lord, and not to her husband, for the answer to her problems. Now, there is much more to this story, but as you, as you will read in 1 Samuel, you will see that the Lord did honor her request, and he did actually give her a son, and she named him Samuel. And so it came time to go back to offer their sacrifice because in this time Jesus had not yet come and made the, the ultimate sacrifice for all of us, and so they had to offer sacrifice every year. And Hannah hesitated a little bit about going. She's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe when the baby stops nursing me, then, then we'll go. Okay, she wanted to hold on to what God had given her just a little bit longer because she remembered that she had made a promise to God that said, if you will give him to me, I will give him back to you and to your service. And so we see a little bit of, we see a little bit of ourselves in Hannah when we, when we want to cling to our children. We want to say, okay, God, we give them to you, but you know, not, not if it means they have to go into the mission field. Not if it means that they end up in Africa or in China where they could be killed tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll honor you with our words, but not in our deeds and actions. 
And so there was that moment of hesitation there for Hannah, uh, which in her flesh was natural. But we read on and we see that once she had weaned the baby, she did indeed take the child to be into the service of God. With that, we see that uh, Hannah remained faithful to God. Please don't misunderstand this lesson to say that if you get into a if-then bargain with God, that you'll get what you want as long as you give him what he wants, what you've promised him. Okay, That's not what this is about. Um, I really hate those if-then prayers. If you'll give me this, God, I promise I will never. Um, don't, don't pray like that. Don't bargain with God. Just be submissive to his will. Anyway, it worked out for Hannah. Okay? When she honored her word to God, which in turn proved that she honored God, she was faithful to him and to her word because he had been faithful to her. Uh, something else we see about Hannah as a mother is that she was a woman of prayer. Now, we talked about that fathers must have an active prayer life, but mothers must also as well. And not just for the protection of their children, um, which is where we usually focus our prayers, because that is our main concern, but that we see in her sacrifice, in her giving her son to the service of the Lord, that our prayers should focus on, Lord, have your will in our children's lives as well. Regardless of how that makes me feel or what they are end up being called to, whether that scares me, whether that, that makes me overjoyed, God, have your will in my children's lives. One of the ways that can happen as a mother is to be submitted to the will of the Father, not the human Father, but the Heavenly Father, and allow your children to see that life in the will of God is something to be valued, okay? So we see that she was a woman of prayer. She sought God out for what she needed. You know, she didn't go to her husband and say, she didn't go to an oracle and say, give me a child. She didn't do like Sarah did and say, take my handmaiden and give me a child this way. She didn't do Hannah's plan. She sought after God's plan in her prayers. And then when her prayer was answered, she was thankful. She didn't just assume she was entitled to it. She didn't go around bragging about the fact that she had, she didn't lord it over Panana's head. Oh, I finally had a son. She thanked God for giving her what she had asked for, for answering her prayer. And a lot of times we forget to thank God for answering. A lot of times we just take it for granted that he's going to answer our prayers and that we're going to like the result. And then when we get that good result, we deserved it. But we don't. We don't deserve anything good. It's all a gift from God. And Hannah understood that. And so the very first thing she does is return thanks to God. Thank you for answering my prayer. In giving Samuel into the service of the Lord, Hannah taught her children to honor God. And what do you know? She took her son to church. That's a pretty good start. And it's no wonder um, that most often the first time a family visits a church, it's because the mother brings the children. Okay, 
she sees that her family needs something better, more different than what they've been doing. And she says, that's it. We got to go to church. Or she says, guys, we really got to fix some things. And the only way we can do that is with God. Okay. So while it is the man who is supposed to lead his house, most often we find that is the mother that leads her family to church because of her children. I will say that in our family, it was like that. When we first got married, I was insistent that we go to church because it was what we had always done. But when we fell away from going to church, it really did take a concerted effort of both my wife and my children to get me to even want to go again. I was kind of tired of it. There was a lot of fakeness in the church, and I just didn't see the point. Life wasn't horrible in my mind, even though it wasn't perfect. And so I didn't see the need to change anything. And it took my wife helping me in that role as helpmate uh, to see where we were falling short and how it was affecting our children. Women who are mothers have an innate sense that they are to protect their children. That's, that is a built-in first priority, okay? And, and you guys know this. I mean, there's, there's nothing you wouldn't do to protect your kids. You'd step in front of somebody trying to harm them. You'd, you know, snatch them back from the edge of the cliff. But there is just built-in instinctively. God gave us, gave women this mothering, nurturing need, okay, to protect their children, to raise their children, to provide for their children. And so it's hard sometimes in the role of mother to remember that you're not there alone. Even though Hannah did not have what we would consider the support of her husband, God was always right there beside her. And let's just be honest, God could have given Hannah a son without her husband's help, but he chose not to, so there was, he was there for that. But one of the biggest roles that a mother has um, in a godly family is to teach the Word of God to her children. Because you have that natural mothering instinct, because you have that protection desire over them, a lot of times mothers are much more in the Word than fathers are. And that's sad to say. Because we have, a, as men, we have a place of leadership that was ordained by God, but so often we step out of that place of leadership. And we allow our wives and our children's mother to assume that place, um, which you guys are very quick to do. I'm not going to lie about it. I mean, there's a vacuum, there's a void, there's a place of unsurety, then you're going to fill that. But in that, we have to see that as mothers, not only do we have to teach our children the Word of God, but we must teach them to honor their fathers. We talked this morning about the way we speak. I was a mama's boy. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I'm the baby of my family. I am my mother's pride and joy. There were many, many times where she leaned over the desk of a school administrator and said, over my dead body, will you do something to my child? Okay? So I was spoiled rotten, and I know that. Still am. I'm my mom's favorite. (laughs) 
But she didn't do me any favors um, by being as protective of me as she was. And she held back a lot of consequence in my life that I would have learned from and made better choices later in my life. She didn't see it that way. She didn't understand that that's what she was doing. She was protecting me, okay? But we talked this morning about the way we speak, and I'm going to use this example because it comes from my past, all right? I have an older sister, and she was married, and her marriage was not the greatest marriage by her own admission and by her ex-husband's own admission, so you can see where this is going. It didn't work out, but there were a couple of years there where they were married. And my sister would come to my mother and tell her all the horrible things that were going on, all the bad things that were going on, all the things she hated about how her life was. And it usually revolved around her ex-husband. And the more my sister poured that out, um, the more my mother returned it to her. And before I knew it, even I had personal issues with my ex-brother-in-law because of the things that my mother was saying. She wasn't doing it because she's a hateful person. Um, Rosa give you the shirt off her back. Bend over backwards to do anything she can for you. She'll give you every cent she's got in her bank account if it means she's got to be broke for two weeks. All right? She's not a hateful person. But she felt like she had to defend her daughter. And she had to commiserate with her to make her feel better. And so she allowed the, the speech to begin to turn even my sister's heart even harder away from her husband at the time. That's how influential moms can be. And so that's why what Crystal talked on this morning was, is so important. That as mothers, the words that you use should be uplifting and they should be building people up, including your husbands and your children's father and your children. You shouldn't allow your children to, to tear each other down. Sometimes my children will look at each other and say, you're ugly, and then they'll laugh. And they're playing with each other, but I still don't like it, and I tell them not to do it. Now, I'm sure they say worse things to each other because they're not always go-along-and-get-along kinds of people. But they do pretty well because their mother has set an example for them. And especially for female children, you are what your daughters will grow up to be. What you show them is permissible. What you teach them is the right thing. The way you act, the way you talk, everything about you, sometimes even the way you look, is what your children will grow up to be. And that becomes a very heavy weight, not because of the way you look, but because of the way you, what you teach them. My children are like my wife, and I think they're all beautiful. So that's my child. Can you tell? We think we are too. But as a mother, what you, the way you act, the way you handle situations, the way you do the things that you do, even down to how you cook 
fried green tomatoes, you know, your recipes. All of these things you will pass down to your daughters, including how to be a mother. And we talked last week about how you will pass down how to be a wife. Parents, mothers and fathers have a unique role in their children's lives because from the time that they can understand anything, we are their idols. They look up to us both physically and mentally. They watch us for how life is supposed to be. So I guess I have to ask, what are we teaching? And that's, only a, that's a question only you can answer because I don't know. I don't know what you're teaching. I know what we're teaching. And I don't just mean teaching the word, but I mean in everyday interactions with each other, with each other, what we teach. So we see that Hannah taught her child to honor God. And because of that, she was actually honored by God with five more children. Some say honored, some say cursed. Um, to have six children. But it really is important that we teach our children to honor God. Now, we have seen that she was faithful to God, that she was also faithful to her own word, which is, again, another thing that we teach our children by the way we honor our word. If we promise them that we will take them somewhere, it may seem trivial to us, but sometimes it can mean the world to them. Even something as little as going to get ice cream at DQ. You know what I'm saying? If you really don't want to go, don't tell them you're going to go. I'm not saying you have to take your kids out. But I'm saying when you tell them you will do something, make sure you do it. Because they learn to trust from you. From both of their parents. They learn to trust. They learn that image of God as provider and that when God made a promise, he fulfilled it through us because we fulfill the promises we make and we stand as an image of God to them. So she was faithful to God. She was faithful to her word. She had an active prayer life. She prayed until God answered her prayer. She never gave up on that prayer. I will say my wife has a much stronger prayer life than I do. That's not to say that I don't pray every night. I do. But when, when that woman opens her mouth, God starts moving. I can see it. I can feel it. I know it's happening. I'm not saying I don't think he moves when I pray. I'm just saying he does it a lot quicker for her. And I'm very thankful for the example that she sets for my children through that. On any given day, <laughs> if you come into our house, you may find her sitting at the table with her Bible open and her notebook open, and she's in prayer or in praise. And I might be sitting on the couch watching TV. But that example that she sets, that, that of a godly mother, uh, is something I am very thankful for. And I'm not saying you have to sit at the table with your Bible open and your notebook open, praying and praising every day. Because um, she doesn't do it every day. She does it, well, she does do it every day. But anyway. But your kids need to see you do it. They need to see you do it more than just coming in here on Sunday and coming in here on Wednesday. It needs to be an actual lifestyle. And they're going to see that much more from you ladies than they are from us, even if we're doing it every day too, because you're softer, um, because you're 
more willing to cuddle. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying that men can't be loving, but there is something special and unique about mothers that draw their children to them, or there should be. All right, that's what I got on the life of Hannah. But we will continue in our As Family We Go series next week, so you'll have to make sure you come out for that. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can gather together as your body and lift up your name. God, that we can learn from your word what it means to be a follower of Jesus in our work, in our home, just in our everyday life. God, you care about everything that happens to us. You care about everything that we come into contact with. God, you care about everything about us. And we are so thankful for that. God, help us to always keep you as our focus. God, that when when the times get dark, that we would still see your light shining in us and that others could see you shining through us as well. Help us to be better fathers and mothers. Help us to be better husbands and wives. Help us to teach our children what it means to be Christian. God, we ask that you would receive honor and glory for everything that we would do and say, that always your name would be praised and uplifted. God, pour out blessing on these people to overflowing, that it may be spread in throughout our community and that you would always receive credit and honor and glory for that as well. Let us always look to you as our example, and let us always shine your light. In Jesus' name.